Let's Go Racing Family Podcast, sharing our love for NASCAR, running, and just racing through life. Hosted by Sebastian, Giovanni, Karen, Tony, and me, Johan. Each week, we'll talk about our view of the world through the lens of racing. This race was a roller coaster of emotions. You can say that again. Yeah, this race was crazy. Uh, there was a lot of ups and downs, and it was really, really exciting. Especially coming from the guy who's wearing a Joey Logano t-shirt or, or sweatshirt right now. Can only imagine the emotions you were going through, but you weren't the only one. Our little guy over on the other side there, on the other side of the table, Johan, had an up and down night. Super excited, uh, and then ultimately feeling a little down. But to be honest, I had three different emotions: stress, anger, and sadness. Yeah, it was it was a very exciting race. It was a very nerve wracking race. Like I think since the st- uh, from the very start, like my heart was racing, my palms were sweaty, and honestly, despite our you know our driver loyalties, this race was about supporting and rooting Jimmy John- for Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, I think at, at at one point in the race, we basically forgot about all our other loyalties and we were all pulling for that 48 to to bring it home. And he was running really well. I mean, I was impressed. So why don't you guys take us through the race? So what happened in the race is that green flag happened. It was a little gloomy in Daytona, but um, I was wishing that it wouldn't rain like last year's and be on a Sunday because I think the Coke 0400 is meant to be at night. So it was a gloomy, did not rain um, as as it got later in the day. Um, like Kevin Harvick sat on, sat on the pole, but then I remember watching it. Um, He actually... He actually was 35th one point. Yeah, he fell back. But we think that was strategic. He, we, we think that he was one of the drivers who decided, I'm going to ride in the back until it's time to get up there and, and race for the win. And that's exactly what he did. Then drivers pitted. Um, I think it was either, was it stage one that with the Chevy group that charged at the big group? But who had the dominant car of really the entire race? Who had the most dominant car? Joey Logano, and in fact, he actually was able to win the first two stages, and he had a pretty powerful, powerful car today. The entire night, yeah, yeah. he had a he had a very dominant car, powerful machine, um, all the way, all the way. And I thought he was going to do a three stage sweep. I really did. I mean, we were rooting for Jimmy Johnson to get into the chase. That was what we were doing. And he was driving really well and he was up there. But despite everything, I still thought that Joey Logano had the strongest car of the night. Gio, how how strong was his car? Like, it was insane. He was holding on to the lead for most of the race. He, in fact, led for six times for a total of 36 laps. I mean, if you think about it, he led throughout the race and Really, he got caught up in a mess with two laps to go right after he made a power move to take the lead against Denny Hamlin. And I think how strong that move was. Logano's car was faster than a cheetah. That's how fast I think Logano's car was today. That with that move he did or two laps to go till big one, 
Hashtag number two, um, Shrek. There's a pretty cool um, Logano moment earlier in the race when Daniel Suarez was leading, right? Oh, yeah. he. That was the other thing. To just show how dominant Logano's car was. Remember, Danny Suarez led for about 19 laps, if, I, if I've got my stats correct. And when he was leading, and it happened during green, pit, green, um, green flag pit stops, Danny found himself leading at Daytona. And it was, it's, you know, it was uh, a little poetic because he missed the Daytona 500 this year, and here he is leading 19 laps. But they kept saying that the pack that he was leading was almost a full second slower than the rest of the cars on the track. And it just, and, and by the time those other cars caught up, I think midway through that, that run, Joey just decided, all right, guys, it's time to go. And he, he was driving mid pack, probably about 15th place back and drove to the front, like almost the, the old school way of Dale jr. How he was the Pied Piper and he just decided he was going to go and people got in line behind him because they knew he had the most powerful car there. That's what Joey did. Yes, I was impressed. I thought, well, I mean, again, we all said we wanted Jimmy to win and I did too. But I thought of all the cars that had the best chance to win, it was Joey. And he showed that throughout the race and especially in that move to take the lead back from Danny Suarez um, because he just he just had that much more of a stronger car. Well, that pass also showed, um, you know, the difference between when you're driving good equipment. Um, and I believe, like, I was very excited. I'm, I like Daniel Suarez. I'm a fan. I, I thought, I think he's a great driver. I think he hasn't been given the opportunities that he should in the Sprint Cup. I mean, he's a champion. I'm sorry, Sprint Cup. In the Cup Series, um, he's a, he's an Xfinity champion, you know, and so he, I don't think he's been he's been given the opportunity to showcase his talent in the Cup Series. And so I was very excited to see him in the front. I was rooting for him. But again, you could see that, you know, the 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 equipment that he's in versus what Joey is driving. And so, um, you know, that was a you could tell when somebody has really good equipment. Um, But even though he was in the lead and was driving still, everybody, you know, I, I think it was a little bit. Um, you know, bias when it comes to like who's in the lead and who gets spoken about, you know, positively. And so, you know, his thing, his thing, they were talking about him and it was like, oh yeah, he's leading, but he's slow, you know? And it's like, well, duh, he doesn't have equipment comparable to the top drivers in the cup series. But despite that, uh, he, I think he drove really well last night. He was up there. And towards the end of the race, he was running in the top, I think he was like top 10, top 15. And um, to be honest, had he not gotten caught up in that wreck, I think he probably would have had a really good finish. I think he would have had a top 10 finish, despite being in a car that is not up to the same caliber as like a Joe Gibbs or a Penske um, vehicle. Well, with this calm stuff, we need to get to the wild, sad, angry stuff. The big ones. But first, we're going to talk about big one, hashtag number one. So um, big one, hashtag number one included not that many drivers, but the second one definitely included more drivers. But let's talk about the first one. Why don't you talk about that? Who was who was really the cause of what happened in that that first big wreck? So what happened is Tyler Reddick joined in second to Kyle Busch. 
with like nine laps to go. Reddick's looking for his first career win. Kyle's looking for his first one of 2020. Reddick makes a power move on Kyle, but when he goes up, he wasn't clear, got into the wall. That meant that got Jones loose. He almost saved it, but then wrecked and like caused a huge wreck. Not that huge, but I feel bad for Ryan Newman because he same came this close of winning the Daytona 500 and he gets wrecked and he doesn't even get to finish a Daytona race. I feel bad for him. Yeah, he he looked actually pretty upset, and they were even talking about that during the broadcast on how intense he looked during the race. I think that was a little like not necessary. I mean, to be honest, he wasn't going to win. And I don't know, Karen. No, I don't think he was going to win. He, he was, didn't. He was leading the Daytona Five Hundred. This man has okay. Won he was leading the Daytona Five Hundred, but last night I don't think his car was strong enough to win. So did for think, him, did you no, think no, the no. eventual winner was going to win? Let's be honest. Well, to, Could no, I, if okay, I would have told here's you the thing. who it's won Daytona. last night, who would have won? It's a Daytona race. Would you race. have thought that? It's a Daytona race. Anybody can win a okay, Daytona. Okay, so you can't say but Ryan based, Newman couldn't, no, wasn't going to win. No, but based on what I was seeing out there, Ryan Newman was just driving average. He wasn't going to win. In fact, if anything, I thought that Kyle Busch was much classier in his interview, which is surprising. So kudos to Kyle Busch for the way he conducted himself when he was being interviewed. Because if anything, he had a better chance of winning last night's race than Ryan Newman did. Yeah, unfortunately, Kyle Busch was taken out in the wreck too. The reason Ryan Newman was um, doing whatever you said, because he was waiting for the big one to happen, yeah. and he just got caught in Kevin it. Kevin Harvick and him, same, they had same strategy. They were riding the back. And when it was go time, guess what? And what did I say? Who did I tell that to? You guys were asking, hey, when do you think the big moves are going to start happening? What did I say? Oh, man, you said around lap 10. And guess what started happening? The big ones. They started moving up. And that's when the wreck happened. And that's when all these big wrecks started happening was in lap 10. And I'm telling you, I believe Ryan Newman had a legit shot to win that race. He was driving his way to the front. It was the wreck happened in the front. There were Where too many. There were too in many the other strong cars for Ryan Newman to get so upset to the, that point, thinking that he had a stronger car. Mom, there do, were so do many we forget other the last cars. time he was in Daytona, he was taken out in an ambulance. So can we can we give the guy a little credit that he's a little emotional? Because guess what? He was it was poetic for him. If this guy wins this race, how big of a story is that? The guy nearly died a few months ago, and here he is with a chance to win a big-time race at the same track? That would have been a huge story, and I think that's part of why he was determined to get up there and and win, and it was one of his best shots to win. That's just, I mean, I hear what you're saying. There were more dominant cars, and yes, he was not near as powerful or as fast as Joey Logano, and honestly... I think Jimmy Johnson had a stronger car than him. But as we know, in these restrictor plate type races, anything can happen near the end. And if you just happen to know how to draft and you can say what you want about Ryan Newman, the man knows how to draft. It's not a, it's not an accident that he is a Daytona 500 winner. And the driver who's who he also beat in the Daytona 500 when he won it, Tony Stewart. He's a good time driver. Yeah, he's an all time great. And he beat him there. So but I look. It was but- it was a wreck, and we were thinking, all right, because up until that point, I was actually amazed, and I, I didn't want to say it because, you know, we all feel like we jinx things. I was amazed at how clean the race was. There were a couple of moments where the cars got squirrely. Your guy, and I know you're probably going to talk about him a little bit, he was like sideways. I was amazed at the fact that Ryan Blaney didn't wreck, and I think it was around this time. 
when they all started getting a little bit more racy. And yet nobody wrecked until, unfortunately, Tyler Reddick got a little aggressive and he was starting to feel himself. And guess what? He feeled himself right into the wall, taking out Kyle Busch. And Kurt Busch. And Kurt Busch. And that was another thing. The Busch brothers up at the front. Like both. I w- I won't, I'm thinking, wow, we're going to have one of these guys win. So your guy got out, but I will, I agree with you, Karen. I agree. Kyle Busch was very stand up. I was, we were all waiting. We're like, all right, anytime Kyle Busch gets to a microphone, especially after something bad happens, what do we do? We're like, all right, everybody quiet. Let's hear what the guy's going to say. Cause it's going to, it's going to be fireworks. And he, he didn't, he was very calm and composed, but clearly frustrated, clearly frustrated. After this, a big one, um, big one, hashtag number one, we got another big one. Big one, hashtag number two, and it was the big, big one. Big one, hashtag number one, was not that big, but big one, hashtag number two, big. And it took out several drivers. And and Johan, Johan, so just so we don't confuse our listeners, when you're talking about the big ones, you're talking about wrecks, right? You're talking about wrecks that involve a lot of cars. Yes. And so there was the, the, the first big one, as they call it, which is the one we just talked about, and then there was another big one. Now, this one was much more emotional for all of us. Remember that power move Joy Logano made with three laps to go. Uh, Denny Hamill was leading and Joy Logano was behind him. Joey Logano decides he's going to go and he launches past Denny Hamlin in the, into the lead and he was gone. Well, Denny Hamlin, well, because you can't really go too far in Daytona, Joey slipped back a little. And because Denny Hamlin know, knew his car was slower, he decides he's going to turn right into Joey's corner panel and get him loose. And then Denny drives past him. Luckily, Joey hit Bubba, hit Bubba Wallace, who was next to him. And Bubba kept them together until Matt DiBenedetto came into the back of Joey Logano, turned him around, and pretty mayhem much mayhem turned turn down. Uh, Joey barely missed, or Joey barely missed Jimmy Johnson. And we're thinking, all right, Jimmy got through, but then... Matt Kenseth decides he's going to turn right into Jimmy Johnson and end his, and pretty much end his race. And I know we all got into car. it because you were all yelling at Matt Kenseth at the TV. And I was saying, no, it wasn't his fault. He was hit by other drivers. It was his fault. You're right, Dad. It wasn't Matt Kenseth's fault. It was Matt DiBenedetto's fault. I, bl- I put all the blame on him for what happened because Denny Hamlin got into the 22. But at least the 22... He didn't spin out because of Denny Hamlin. He got into the 43, which slowed him down. He was going backwards. But Matt Benedetto decided he's really wanting to get into this chase race. So he gets into the back of the 22, turns him, and then this leads to the domino effect. The 22 gets into the 42 of Matt Kenseth, which gets him loose, which then causes him to wreck into Jimmy Johnson. I don't know if it was the announcers that said this or they actually heard this on the radio, but I thought they said that and Matt DeVitadetto was like, I don't care that I took out Joey and Jimmy. I want to get in the chase. Did he actually say that? Or are you making that up? I thought I heard the announcer say something like that. <laughs> I know we weren't happy about what happened. And, you know, it was disappointing. And it is interesting that Matt DeVitadetto was, or Matty D, because I'm not pronouncing his name right. Matty D was up involved with all this stuff. But at the end of the day, too, he was driving near the front, mid-pack to the front, pretty much the entire race because he mid-pack. knew what was on the line. Well, this is when the drama happens. I have three hashtags today. Three. 
All right. What are your hashtags? Usually you won't see three, only one, but you may see this at plates. And the hashtags are Denny Hamlin, Matt Kenseth, and Maddie DiGerito. So those are your three hashtag these drivers stink. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was really disappointing because Jimmy, Jimmy wasn't playing last night. Like he was serious. He was out to win and he wanted to get into the chase and he did really well. I mean, he finished in stage one and two. He finished fifth both times. He was up there. He was trying, you know, when he would fall back, he would try really hard to get up there and, you know, we kept just watching the numbers and and having, you know, the, the the chase numbers just change and fluctuate. And, you know, there were times where he was up there and De Benedetto was out and we were like, yes. And, you know, we were really excited. So to see him do all of this and work so hard and just within, what, three laps to go to the end of the race, you know, he gets smashed into and torn up was uh, it was really disappointing. Uh, to me, that was like the end of the race. At that point, I was just like, forget it. I don't care who wins. Yeah, I think we we all kind of rallied around Johan because he was devastated, uh, crying and sad. And we all understood. I actually was so convinced myself that Jimmy was going to do something special and actually get up there and possibly win this race. I had set the camera up to record our reactions just in case he pulled off something awesome and Johan goes nuts. But unfortunately, what it caught was Johan being distraught. Uh, and then, the you know, you guys, I will commend you, you the older brothers, Johan, uh, Giovanni and Sebastian, you know, rallying around your brother, pulling for him. Even though Joey was knocked out, I don't even think Gio was as upset about that which is unusual because, you know, Joey's his guy, but he was, I mean, more I was of, upset about that. But. Yeah. But you, you rallied to your brother. Now I, I think that we was, were all more upset awesome. that Jimmy got hit and was wrecked. And, and we still had held out a little bit of hope, right? Gio, we, we were holding we're out like, some hope that car because they got the car fixed. And Tony even said, guys, don't forget that, you know, Jones finished the clash this year with a messed up car and won. You know, and so we were holding out this little bit of hope. And then in the last lap, there was a wreck behind the leaders. Two wrecks, actually. And we were hoping, crossing our fingers. I know this is mean, but we were crossing our fingers that Matt Benedetto got caught up in that wreck. And then Jimmy Johnson would, you know, just casually casually limp limp to the finish line. The tortoise and the the hare. He would be the tortoise. (laughs) Unfortunately, that was not the case. Matt Benedetto managed to dodge every single one of the wrecks that I mean. And and on that last one, I even told you guys, like I saw he backed off. He knew like his guys must have been in his ear saying, just back off. You need to just cross the finish line. If he was he wasn't trying to compete with the leaders, because if he did, he risked wrecking and then Jimmy would have gotten the, the, the playoffs. But so despite our disappointment with Jimmy not finishing, the winner of this race was the 24 of William Byron. And we do like William Byron and we are genuinely, sincerely happy that he won and that he got in. Um, so congratulations to William Byron. He's adorable. And I, we were watched him during the, uh, I racing league and he was so good because he actually came into NASCAR because of his fame and popularity in I racing and he was doing so well. So we're very excited that he won his first cup race. Yeah. We, uh, we all like, uh, William Byron for a number of different reasons. One, he's a, he seems like a really good guy. He, uh, came up in I racing. He did well. Like Karen said, he also is the doppelganger for Sebastian's best friend, uh, Braden. 
And so we always, when we see William when he Byron, wins, we're like, like Braden won. <laughs> so uh, we were, we we're very excited about that too. And uh, to see him get in the playoffs. And that's the other thing that's super impressive. Like the guy needed to win to get in basically. And he did that. And it's his first career win at Daytona to get in the playoffs. And they were even saying like two weeks ago, the first Dover race, it was horrible. Like, I think he got chewed out by Chad Knauss. I mean, it made the news like they were talking about it. And then the next race, he did really well. And then he wins this one is it's, you know, pretty impressive. And uh, for those of you who would like to know, how did the ending of the points right below? Well, Matt DiVitadetto finished in 12th place and Jimmy Johnson finished in 17th by only a five point gap. Jimmy Johnson lost. And I know we're upset about what happened last night, but the reality is Jimmy Johnson lost the playoffs because of two other races really out of his control. One of them was the COVID, right? The COVID, uh, which was the brickyard. The guy tests positive for COVID out of an abundance of caution. They, they don't allow him to race. He tests almost immediately thereafter. Negative, negative. And he even was interviewed earlier in this week saying he doesn't even know for sure if he actually had COVID. It could have been a false positive. And when we've been hearing news about COVID, that's actually a really, that's unfortunately been somewhat common that people think they have it and they don't. They just, they came up with a false positive or he could have been what's called asymptomatic. Either way, he missed the brickyard. But the other race that, that was really big and I think is probably the biggest reason why he's not in the playoffs was unfortunately the Coca-Cola 600. And I'll be honest, I completely forgot about this because it was almost like after the fact. I think it had the news came out a day later. And at that time, you're like, well, we saw him finish in second, but he got penalized. His car did. And he was disqualified. And so he went from finishing in second in that race and whatever points he would have had would have been more than five. He would have been in the playoffs, even being caught up in the in the in this mess. So. It is unfortunate and it is sad, but you cannot take away. He is one of the greatest drivers to ever get behind a wheel in NASCAR. He's the greatest. According to Johan, he's the greatest. Why, Johan? Why is he the greatest? He won seven championships more or quicker than Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. Won more Daytona 500s than Dale Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt put himself into the wall in the first ever Brickyard 400. Jimmy Johnson never did that. So that means... How many Brickyards did Jimmy win? I think four. He won four Brickyards? Holy cow. And dad puts his phone down to stop researching. <laughs> yeah, I'm going research. And then, uh, and I also know he, look, I'm not advocating that Jimmy is better than Dale Sr. We'll, we'll, we'll table that discussion, Johan, for another day. Because you know where my opinion is. I am the biggest Intimidator fan there is. So we won't talk about that today out of respect for you and your guy, Jimmy Johnson. And I, I do. I do give him a lot of respect. I, I give him a lot of credit. He is a great driver. He's probably one of the most articulate people to ever represent the sport. Like he is one of the probably the best ambassadors. Oh, for, for sure. Sport. I actually saw a um a comment on his clip uh, that uh, NASCAR put on Instagram. And the first comment that I saw, someone said, classy as always. And it's true. Like, I can't I, I can't remember a time where he where some something 
negative or something that, you know, was that would bring him down where he was interviewed and would say anything bad. He was just always really classy. And um, do you guys know why they said that yesterday about him? Why? 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 Do you guys remember? Did you remember the uh, did you see? Because even though he just lost and he was upset, trust me, and he's a competitor. I mean, you don't win seven championships not being one of the best competitors in all in NASCAR. He wanted to make the playoffs and he showed it. Right. But he lost. And one of his biggest fans here in my house is is in the arms of his mom, clutching his plush Jimmy Johnson, devastated, not wanting to. You didn't even want to come on the podcast today. Right. You were like, I'm done. And you are a fan. Imagine the guy, Jimmy Johnson, how sad he was, right? But you know what he did after the race? He went straight to victory lane, and he shook every crew guy's hand, including Chad Knauss, his former crew chief, and said, proud of you guys. I'm sure he's something like, I'm proud of you guys. Congratulations. And saluted them. And, And when they interviewed him, the first thing out of his mouth was, yo, give it up to number 24. Byron getting his first win, get punching his ticket to the playoffs. So, yeah, you can say what you want about Jimmy and Johan and I. We're going to debate about this probably later in the season or during the summer or during our our break. You we'll just insulted about me that I am one of the greatest. I'm the greatest Jimmy. You're Johnson. the greatest Jimmy Johnson fan. Yes, we're going to debate you and I, but I can't take away how great of an ambassador he is to the sport. He is to NASCAR. What Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson was to 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 the NBA, like helping bring this sport and growing it in a in a big way, you know. I think the greatest of all, in my opinion, Jimmy Johnson is the intimidator. Jimmy Johnson for a number of reasons, but I think if you do a Mount Rushmore of the greatest, most impactful drivers. In the history of NASCAR, Jimmy Johnson's up there. For sure. He's definitely one of the all-time greatest and classiest men in NASCAR. Yeah. So the one thing I will say that I've been happy about hearing him talk about in the interviews is that he's not going away from racing. He will be involved with NASCAR. I actually think maybe years to the future, he's going to be an owner. I think he's going to own a team one day. And I think he's going to be involved with NASCAR. He's actually going to be involved with Open Wheel Indy. And Open Wheel. He, uh, they were just mentioning it during the um, Indianapolis 500 that he's going to be trying out the road courses of Indy. You never know. And he's got two little girls, you know, maybe one of them gets in the driving. And what better genes to have than your father being a seven-time champ? I mean, you just, there's just, I, he's not going away. Like, we're not going to see him every week. And I, I will miss that. We'll all miss that. But he's going to be around the the track, around the races, which I, I love, and and he'll be involved with open wheel. So we'll still see your guy. And maybe he'll, you know what, decide, I'm going to run this Brickyard. I actually think he'll run next year's Brickyard because I have a feeling he wants to do the double again. He wants to do the Brickyard and the Coca-Cola 600, or not the double, I'm sorry. Yeah, the double, the Indy 500. He wants to run the Indy 500 and the Coca-Cola 600 in the same year or same day. Whenever, I think he's going to do that. Whenever Jimmy Johnson um races, um. And then since he's not going to be in a full time, uh, I root for him. Um, I root for him and Chase Elliott because Chase Elliott's going to be my new favorite driver when he retires. Wait, wait, wait. News. Is this breaking news? Are you officially staking your claim or are you going to wait to the end of the season to say who your favorite driver will be next year? 
I'm just saying that it's Chase you, you Elliott. Think it, so far, it sounds like it's going to be Chase Elliott. But if he um becomes a hashtag, no Chase Elliott. No Chase Elliott. Okay. So, Chase, if you want Johan to switch his loyalty to you, please stay out of Jimmy's way the rest of the season. Please don't wreck him. Don't cause him to wreck. Just be a good drive. Go out, win. Win yourself a championship. But please don't wreck Jimmy Johnson. Oh, no. And then Do not Joe, advertise. Jo- Joey Logano fans having shakes over here. All right. So uh, why don't someone take us through the top five real quick, and then we can go into race picks. All right. So William Byron won the race. Chase Elliott got second. Denny Hamlin third. Martin Trix Jr. fourth. And Bubba Wallace fifth. All right, Bubba. I Very saw that happy car for Bubba. There. Yep. Richard Petty's 43. I thought he had a chance to actually win. So that was impressive. Uh, all right. And race picks. How did we all do? Well, I picked Bubba Wallace, and a fifth-place finish means two points for me. Yeah, Bubba Wallace did well. As the only other person in our group that got points, I picked Ryan Blaney. And to be honest, I didn't really see Ryan Blaney most of the race. I wasn't paying attention to him. He also had a really weird paint scheme. It almost looked like... Do you remember his sponsor? Bubble gum mixed with, like, berries. Do you remember his sponsor? Anybody remember his sponsor last night? I think it was either body armor or the one that um is like a tea or something. What I was, don't know. What was his sponsor? Point is, his car was a little hard to see. Normally, he's driving, you know, a very dominant color, prominent color. He was driving the body armor Ford. Anyways, so his car was really hard to like spot on the on on the track, and. He was pretty much, I mean, I did see him when he was behind Joey, but I think overall he did well. He ended up finishing sixth, so I got some points. Johan, I know you picked your guy. How did he do? Well, it was the first time I picked him this season. I, I, last week when I picked him, I was like, yes, I know he's going to win. But then he ends up finishing 17th. And that's all I have to say. All right. It was a strong 17th. Not many cars can finish running at Daytona without fenders and basically look like an open wheel car. And he did. He managed to bring it home. Yeah, he got some practice. Uh, and, and you know what? He finished ahead of my guy, who was Eric Amarola. I had picked a win. I thought he was going to do well because, you know, I thought he had a chance to he, he he's done well in restrictor plate type races. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. My guy, Eric Amarola, finished in 18th. And Gio? This season is pretty much done for me. I'm finishing last. You're only eight points out, man. I wouldn't be giving eight up points so quickly. Out. I can't pick anyone good. And had your driver not been taken out in the wreck, he would have finished. Yeah, probably guy, in the top 10. At one and you point, your you guy six. was leading. In fact, I don't know how many laps he led. I think two or three laps. So don't beat yourself up. He led one lap, oh. but he finished 29. <laughs> and well, I got no points he again. Got, he got a little aggressive. I think I'm going on a losing streak again. No, stop. You're yes. going to do fine. Don't jinx it. Yeah, don't jinx it, man. Sebastian, where are we going next week? Next week is a throwback race at Darlington, the Cookout Southern 500 on September 6th. Now, if my memory is right, this day is very important in the Marino family, right? Yeah. Yes, we have this is a NAS this is a birthday NASCAR race. An anniversary, excuse me. 
Oh, yes, anniversary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Let's forget about that. So, yeah, September 6th is one Giovanni's birthday. He will be a teenager. That's right. I'm gonna have. We're gonna have two teenagers have in the two house teenagers now. Teenagers in the house, and uh, and then of course it's Karen and I. It's our anniversary. How many years, guys? Um, sixteen. Oh, oh, whoa! whoa. You're like, whoa! That's a lot. I thought you were only married for like five years. <laughs> yeah, no, man. <laughs> no, that's not even as old as you are. And we were married before you were born. So yeah, sixteen years celebrating. On on Sunday, and it's Labor Day weekend. It's a big race. Usually, it was the Atlanta race, but the last few years have been in Darlington. So, and it is the a first late race. race of the chase. And it is the first race. So of it's the, the chase. first round of sixteen. All right, let's go through our race picks. But before we do, on the fly, we're going to propose another rule change because Geo is all about changing the rules for our race picks. We're going to double the points. In the playoff rounds. So if you win, if you pick a winner, instead of three, you'll get six points. If you pick a driver to finish in the top five, you will get four. And if you pick a driver to finish in the top ten, you will get two. And we're going to add that to our existing point total. So there you go, Giovanni. You might still win this thing. So the chase begins next Sunday. And the 16 drivers that are in the chase are Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, William Byron, Austin Dillon, Cole Custard, Eric Armarola, Clint Boyer, Kurt, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, and Matt DiBenedetto. All right, let's get into our race picks. Johan? Is this going to be a night race or a day race? It is. It is a night race. A night race. It'll it starts start in the day, but it'll end at night. So it's a six o'clock race. Well, I'm guessing Kevin Harvick will do good at the day since he did win Darlington race one at the day. But I'm guessing the man who won, um, even though he won in a rain delay, he had a pretty good car. The number eleven FedEx Camry, Danny Hamlin. All right, that's a very strong pick. It's a very Tony? strong pick. Your turn. You know what? Uh, there are other drivers that I think I would rather see win. Because, um, I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not a fan of his, but there are other drivers I'm a more of a fan. Uh, but I but I, I have a feeling he's going to start to flex some muscle as we get into the playoffs. I think it's going to be Brad Kozlowski in the number two Ford. Good pick. I was actually going to choose him. So next is Sebastian. My pick is going to be the guy who won Darlington when we came back after the COVID-19 delays. Kevin Harvick in the number four. Okay, and I am going to go with, I'm going to go with Joey Logano. There go all my picks. I thought you could say Greg Biffle. I'm done. He doesn't race anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Gio, who are you picking? Martin Truex Jr. Oh, that's a good Because he's the only available one. Well, there's a lot of other drivers available, but that's not a bad pick. That is not a bad pick at all. Now, I will say I am the only one who picked a person who has not won at Darlington. Oh, really? Yes, because all your picks have won. I'm dropping out of points if Joey wins next week. Stop. Stop. And now it's Tony's Six Degrees of NASCAR, where Tony tries to connect pop culture with NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation. 
Well, we said earlier that next week is Giovanni's birthday. So in honor of his birthday, he's going to pick next week. So, Johan, you're up. Who are we picking for me to connect to NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation? An honor for him since he died on Friday, Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman, yes. In memory of a great actor that passed away this week, we're going to try to connect him to NASCAR. And actually think it'll be kind of interesting and profound in the way uh, he is connected to the sport. As many of you guys know, unfortunately, unexpectedly, and way too soon, Chadwick Boseman passed away over the weekend after battling cancer for the past four years. He was an American actor. And interestingly enough, he was born in South Carolina in the heart of NASCAR country and actually attended high school there. Uh, But he's best known for the iconic roles that he played in Hollywood. Many of them significant black historical figures. He played the role of Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, and James Brown. But of course, we all know him as T'Challa. King T'Challa. Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever, the Black Panther. Well, in honor of, of, of Chadwick, this is how we're going to connect him to NASCAR. I mentioned before he was born in South Carolina and went to high school there. Before he embarked on his Hollywood career, Chadwick attended Howard University. Howard is one of the world's most prestigious destinations for professionals in health, science, engineering, art, law, and education. But it's also known as a leading HBCU. Well, what does HBCU stand for? A historically black college or university. And there's some really great people that have gone to this school and have educated. And Chadwick Boseman was one of them. Well, one of his professors is was Felicia Rashad. Felicia Rashad, who is married to Ahmad Rashad, the NBC sports broadcaster. You know Ahmad Rashad, right? And NBC sports, of course, broadcast NASCAR. But there's actually a closer connection to another alumnus of Howard University and NASCAR. And his name is Mike Sales. Mike Sales went to Howard University and is a class of 93. And he's today is the creative director for NASCAR. Basically, his team leads all the creative design and they are an award-winning creative group responsible for all creative services at NASCAR. So Mike Sales and his team have their fingerprints over all the creative that we see across NASCAR, which is an amazing thing. So it's Howard University that connects Chadwick Boseman to NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation. Two degrees. Good job. Isn't that interesting? Yes, it's it is. really his school. It was his college that connected. And, and Howard University is based in Washington, D.C. And there's a strong connection between a very important person at NASCAR as well as the late Chadwick Boseman. So, as we look to wrap up this week's podcast episode, I wanted to talk to you guys about your first week of school. I know that we were a little nervous last week and we were looking forward to 
well, actually, you guys weren't looking forward to the end of summer. You wanted to keep summer going and you guys were a little nervous about what school was going to be like. So what was school like this week as you guys embarked on online digital school? So we'll talk, we'll start with our high schooler, Sebastian. What was school like this week? It was a bit com- complicated. How so? Well, there was a lot of problems with getting access to the classes I need to I needed to be in. The schedules weren't um, properly finished and we had to call in to like, hey, I need to be in this class and stuff. And even now, I'm still trying to like finish and make sure everything is just right. But aside from that, it's been gonna, really great. I was going to say, wow, <laughs> wow. That, that You talk about burying the lead. That's what's called burying the lead. It's like, man, it was terrible and all this, this and that. But man, it was great. Why was it great, Sebastian? Well, because I'm in school. In fact, I'm really enjoying it. I Besides love, all of the trouble of getting your classes organized, right? Yeah, I love doing the work. I love seeing the people there. And I get to literally enjoy myself at home. <laughs> While you're at school. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, One of the classes that I think is kind of interesting, I know that you, you did get in and you were working on, was band. How's that going? Because I know you were in the marching band last year and you actually performed at football games and all of that. And obviously that's not going to happen this year, but you're still in band. How's that happening? And, and are you excited about band this year? So this year we're not going to be doing stuff like MPA, which is our competition, but Mr. Money still wants us to perform as a band. So he's going to have small practices, maybe like once a week. And then Fridays, whenever there's a home game, we will go as a pep band and play songs in the stand, socially distanced. Okay. That'll be interesting. Oh, so you are going to be playing. I did not realize that. Mom, did you know that? Yes. Oh, okay. I guess I wasn't paying attention. All right. Well, good. I'm glad that you're enjoying your second year of high school. Uh, it's a little interesting, but, you know, it is what it is. Wait, I have a question about yeah. um, football. How are they going to do football? Are they going to, like, when they tackle people, they're going to just like this, and then the people where they tackle them be like, <laughs> They're going to fall down. No. They're going to play football, but I think – you know, part of it is they they may have they special may have masks shield or shields on the masks on the helmets. Okay, I mean because they play with helmets, but yeah. they'll probably put a plastic shield, you know, on the mouth area. Yeah, and then probably when they're off the field and they take their helmets off, they'll probably have to be socially distant. Um, so you know, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Giovanni, tell us about your experience from your first week in digital school. It was stressful because they messed up a bunch of my classes so I wasn't in uh, half my classes on the first day of school I couldn't even get into any of my classes until sixth period so I pretty much just sat around spamming right click trying to get in the trying to get in and I just couldn't it was but you annoying. did get in you yeah did I did get, get in. in eventually but then I found out I had uh, one class messed up and then next day Still figured out, except my first period isn't working, and I didn't. I didn't have first period, and I wasn't there until like, and I haven't been there in fact. And they're counting me absent for all those days, but I wasn't in the class. I hadn't had. I didn't have band till till Wednesday, so I had a lot of mishaps. But I think it should be good now. Okay. And uh, so, besides yeah. all the technological challenges, overall, are you happy about doing school at home? Are you happy about the setup? And once you started getting into your classes, yeah, I like the I like the uh, setup. I have a few. I have a bunch of room, 
And uh, I think it's just easy to do work here. And the nice thing is the teacher's there to help you out. And most of my teachers are really nice and I like them. All right. Well, that's a positive. I know that there are some technological issues, but for both of you guys, it's not uncommon because we were hearing that across the country. If you think about it, this is an unprecedented time when so many kids are now doing digital online learning and there's a lot of learning to go around. There's a huge learning curve with new technology. So I'm, I will say I'm happy the schools, both of your schools, you know, got it fixed and got things moving. So that's, that's great. So the whole problem with the technological part of it, again, because this is like a first time thing, um, because the kids are actually learning from home as if they were in the classroom. It was more of the fact that kids were being placed in classrooms that later that but then they weren't added to the digital part. So they weren't showing up on the teacher's class. So that was basically like the main problem. Um, but like you said, it's it's starting to slowly get fixed this week. Um, I think the other situ- the other um, problem with it was that in July, everybody was going with the idea that the kids were all going to go back to school like normal, like pre-COVID. And they came to the realization that that wasn't going to actually happen. And when they switched over to the idea of doing digital learning, they pretty much had to do it as quickly as possible. So that's why it's taken this whole week to kind of figure it out and get used to it. But we're getting used to it. Um, And so, yeah. But I think the one who didn't have hardly any problems whatsoever was our youngest. Johan, tell us about your experience with digital learning your first week. I loved it. It was fun. I can't wait for tomorrow and all the weeks of school. Um, This is actually the first time I've loved school the most. Kindergarten, I like school, but the, this year, it is just, it's so better than kindergarten. It's like the best year out of all my years. So what was the biggest challenge for you, though, this week? I used to have my setup where it was literally so small that I had to move my keyboard. And literally, I had to put my all my school books on my on the stools next to me you put it on the printer and i think he was getting stools by the days yeah you were surrounded by bar stools <laughs> he, was, he, had, he had stools all around him Poor so guy. he could place all these things i think i took a picture of it i was like i felt horrible it we was both adorable, did though. so by like wednesday by wednesday we got a new setup and we really like it because three of us are sitting on that setup so johan sits next to me and um, and now I'm you have plenty of space has, to write, right, Johan? Plenty of space for mm-hmm. everything, and he's really enjoying school. He loves school. He just he genuinely loves school, and the fact that he can do it from home is even better. So it's like the best of both worlds for him and for me. I'm actually loving that they're home too, mainly selfishly because I don't have to get up at six o'clock in the morning and prepare breakfasts and lunches and get my young my oldest out the door for for school super early so that whole hectic routine that i had last year this time last year i don't have it so it is really really nice to just be relaxed like i just get up and go to work like work here at home my kids are here at work at home so it's it's really nice i'm really enjoying it i i do I do feel bad for like Sebastian, who is having to miss out on things like the band or even so Giovanni, but marching band is the one thing that I'm like, 
I wish they'd be able to do that because I know it was so as a former band member and marching band member that's near and dear to my heart. So it breaks my heart a little bit that they're not going to be able to do that this year. It's even better to have lunch when you're doing digital because you can have delicious stuff like pasta and salad and you can't have that at school. You have to have trashy sandwiches like peanut butter and jelly. Okay, that that's disrespectful. I like peanut butter and jelly. It's disgusting. <laughs> I I I you know, I don't know what better way to end on that. So yes, go on. We've had better lunches for you uh while doing school from home. All right. Well, we got another big time race coming up for Labor Day weekend and you got a three day weekend coming up, guys. Hey, so super excited. I have something yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, especially that makes me more excited for this week. Some friends that live in Nashville are coming down, so I'm gonna be excited for that. Yeah, shout out to those guys. Yeah, we're very, very excited. So we have a holiday and we have celebrations next weekend. Yep. And the NASCAR race. And also when next week I'm probably gonna sound like this. Because you're going to be a man now because you're 13. And next year, I'm going to be nine. (laughs) All right. On that note, Giovanni, why don't you take us out? Well, guys, that's going to wrap things up this week. Thank you so much for listening on in. Please leave a like, subscribe, and download our episodes so you can listen to us wherever you want, whenever you want. Let's go with some family. Out.